This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast is a reading of Ex Oblivion by H.P. Lovecraft. It's read by Wayne June. It runs just five minutes, and we will be discussing it afterwards. Ex Oblivion by H.P. Lovecraft Read by Wayne June When the last days were upon me, and the ugly trifles of existence began to drive me to madness like the small drops of water that torturers let fall ceaselessly upon one spot of their victim's body, I loved the irradiate refuge of sleep. In my dreams I found a little of the beauty I had vainly sought in life, and wandered through old gardens and enchanted woods, once, when the wind was soft and scented, I heard the south calling, and sailed endlessly and languorously under strange stars. Once, when the gentle rain fell, I glided in a barge down a sunless stream under the earth till I reached another world of purple twilight, iridescent arbors, and undying roses. And once I walked through a golden valley that led to shadowy groves and ruins, and ended in a mighty wall green with antique vines, and pierced by a little gate of bronze. Many times I walked through that valley, and longer and longer would I pause in the spectral half-light, where the giant trees squirmed and twisted grotesquely and the gray ground stretched damply from trunk to trunk, sometimes disclosing the mold-stained stones of buried temples. And always the goal of my fancies was the mighty, vine-grown wall with the little gate of bronze therein. After a while, as the days of waking became less and less bearable from their grayness and sameness, I would often drift in opiate peace through the valley and the shadowy groves, and wonder how I might seize them for my eternal dwelling place, so that I need no more crawl back to a dull world stripped of interest and new colors. And as I looked upon the little gate in the mighty wall, I felt that beyond it lay a dream country from which once it was entered there would be no return. So each night in sleep I strove to find the hidden latch of the gate in the ivied antique wall, though it was exceedingly well hidden, and I would tell myself that the realm beyond the wall was not more lasting merely, but more lovely and radiant as well. Then one night in the dream city of Zacharion I found a yellowed papyrus filled with the thoughts of dream-sages who dwelt of old in that city, and who were too wise ever to be born in the waking world. Therein were written many things concerning the world of dream, and among them was lore of a golden valley, and a sacred grove with temples, and a high wall, pierced by a little bronze gate. When I saw this lore I knew that it touched on the scenes I had haunted, and I therefore read long in the yellowed papyrus. 
Some of the dream sages wrote gorgeously of the wonders beyond the irrepassable gate, but others told of horror and disappointment. I knew not which to believe, yet longed more and more to cross forever into the unknown land, for doubt and secrecy are the lure of lures, and no new horror can be more terrible than the daily torture of the commonplace. So when I learned of the drug which would unlock the gate and drive me through, I resolved to take it when I next awaked. Last night I swallowed the drug and floated dreamily into the golden valley and shadowy groves, and when I came this time to the antique wall, I saw that the small gate of bronze was ajar. From beyond came a glow that weirdly lit the giant twisted trees and the tops of the buried temples and I drifted on songfully, expectant of the glories of the land from whence I should never return. But as the gate swung wider, and the sorcery of the drug and dream pushed me through, I knew that all sights and glories were at an end, for in that new realm was neither land nor sea, but only the white void of unpeopled and illimitable space. So happier than I had ever dared hope to be, I dissolved again into that native infinity of crystal oblivion, from which the demon life had called me for one brief and desolate hour. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Jim. Hello, I'm Paul. And we're going to talk about Ex Oblivion, or I like to say Ex Oblivione. It's probably not right, but I like to say it. <laughs> I was going with the Greek pronunciation with the one at the end. <laughs> is, it, is that how they say it? It's like uh, Greek thing, like Athene. You know, they use these very small, like right. two-letter syllables. And <laughs> right, I like that. Uh, this is a uh, story, prose poem by H.P. Lovecraft, first published in the United Amateur, uh, March 1921. Very famously, I think, not published in Weird Tales, um, and. I kind of don't like that they call it a prose poem. I, kn- I know it has those qualities, but it's totally a story as well. It's not just, you know, a poem. I think maybe maybe everything should be called prose poems. But <laughs> <laughs> in this case, uh, you, it has those aspects. But I uh, this is one of my favorite stories by Lovecraft. I suppose now we'd call it flash fiction, these kind of right. micro tales, wouldn't we? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's three pages. Um, it's like four or five minutes to read. And I, I just love this story so much. And I think it's because it it does everything that he does in all his other stuff. And it does it in such a short amount of space. Um, and it's beautiful to read. And it leaves you asking lots of questions. In addition... I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to uh, look at the big elephant in the room. It avoids everything that people who hate and decry and point and scream at Lovecraft about. It avoids every single one of those things. Mm. You, mm-hmm. you 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 can't play say, oh, Lovecraft is a racist. This this is a racist poem. You this is he's showing he's he's sexist. Anything like that. That's all missing here. Here we here we just have the pure experience of this guy trying to get through this gate and trying to see and the revelation of well it's not the gate he expects it's it's 
it's pure undistilled dreamlands lovecraft and i love that i i i I can love this unreservedly without having to feel like i have to apologize or explain myself yeah that makes sense um i'm not sure i'm not sure that uh you know it won't outrage someone (laughs) because we live sort of in the outrage culture and honestly what it is this story is about is about it's much better to be dead than it is to be alive which I think a lot of people have a problem with that theory. <laughs> um, and uh, it's about drug use, right? Mm-hmm. So people don't like that. Um, but I think, you know, it, what's so interesting is the more you sort of just look at, uh, there's a, a finite number of words in here, but the more you look at it, the more you see its reflection in all of his writings. I mean, one of the things that I note, noted in this final reread um, for today was um, that the dull world was stripped of interest and new colors, right? New colors. Colors. Mm. That is something that comes up again and again and again, right? Not just with From Beyond, which we're also going to talk about, but also with uh, The Color Out of Space and uh, many other stories, I'm sure have this sort of this colors beyond the colors we know sort of thing. And that's, that's just one little piece, but uh, the fact that the, this is a dreamland story and it doesn't feel like one until you sort of see that, Hey, there's tons of other dreamland stories that are exactly like this, mm-hmm. including the big one, uh, dream quest of unknown. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's a little dream quest. Right, it's a mini jewel of the giant dream quest of unknown Kadath. There's no cat, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe there is. We 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 get a uh, we get an anchor in the that he talks about the zero, the city of Zakarian, where 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 the narrator finds uh, information about further going into dream. That's ve- that's very dream questy to go into dream to find stuff about the world of dreams while in the dream. Hmm. Uh, same as King Karain's does as well, mm-hmm. in his own short story, and uh, uh, and also Basil Elton. He con- in the White Ship. He consults, <laughs> asks you know for elder lore of uh, <laughs> you know the bottled pillars of the West. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think kind of one of the big themes in Lovecraft that a lot of people miss because of the tentacled monsters and the sanity blasting and the nihilism and. Uh, Whatever you is this there's a very strong theme about transcendence yep. and revelation that you know runs right from the start of his writing that we see kind of in this little piece and it 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 crops up in right to the end uh, you know as much as the horror there's the the wonder and awe in Lovecraft and I, I'm being on the covered quite a few of these like, early things on these shows and it's fascinating you find like this in particular it's like a compression of so many things it's like a little packet of seeds that are going to blossom later in various different forms I mean this one comes back at least twice in the fungi from yoga cycle in the gardens of yin but yeah, you also I... get an echo of it in um, at the window yep it's 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 so interesting. I, I didn't when I first read Fungi from Yagath, I didn't understand how it is. It is like little windows into all the other stories, and they're like gateways or passages to 
these retellings of the same sort of kind of story that mm-hmm. you would see in other other pieces. Um, the, the amazing thing also is that, as you, you, you called it a seed, I think that, that it might be a distillation. I don't know what the writing order of any of these are, really. Um, but I do know that they, they're all sort of, even when he says basically the opposite in one thing, you know, what the result is, it's still kind of the same result. And I think that that's really true here. If you, if you read it closely, which I've been doing it over and over again this week, um, there's a, a lot of, uh, it doesn't seem as set as I thought originally. So there's, well, there's this passage here. Um, on the second page, some of the dream sages wrote gorgeously of the wonders beyond the irrepassable gate, Mm -hmm. but others told of horrors and disappointment. So on the one hand, dudes are saying, oh, it's wonderful over there. You can't believe how great it's going to be. And the others are, no, no, it's terrible. But it's an irrepassable gate. (laughs) So how are these guys getting that info? And then... The narrator says, I knew not which to believe, yet longed more and more to cross forever into the unknown land, for doubt and secrecy are the lure of lures, and no new horror can be more terrible than the daily torture of the commonplace. So when I learned of the drug which would unlock the gate and drive me through, I love that line, to drive me through, I resolved to take it when I next awaked. So uh, we got a hint earlier uh, that oh maybe it's at the end opiate that word opiate comes up so i had my mom make some uh poppy seed cookies uh, for me so i could (laughs) try and drive myself through the gate didn't i didn't overdose quite enough but that there's a whole other lovecraft story uh that has this exact same sequence right um and i think it might have been the first one i had with wayne junon it's called um what's it called it's uh, it's about a guy who's dying from the plague, um, and he he takes opium, and he passes through and finds himself in a in a house. There's a peninsula, and uh, the ocean is coming in in deep waves, crushing and tearing away the landscape. And there's a jungle beyond. What's it called? Um, the, the crawling chaos. The crawling chaos. The, that, yes. the crawling oh, chaos. chaos. Right, and in in that case, he's driven. He's driven to sleep again and again. He he goes deeper to avoid the not the um, uh, incessant, ceaseless fall of uh, torturing water drops, mm-hmm. but rather the decay of uh, and pain of of uh, disease. Um, he's avoiding life and seeking. Uh, non-existence in dream in unconsciousness but that's not the only story where that happens as well right the there's um uh hypnosis Hip- yeah hypnosis mm-hmm. hypnosis they take drugs to stay in dream longer or they might be just he <laughs> takes drugs to stay in dream longer um and and so when they break through the barrier However, there's always barriers, right? They break through. Um, It's the... What they find there is a combination of horrible and wonderful. I just think that's so interesting. 
Well, it's often that thing of kind of in Lovecraft as well, this um, duality of perception. It's like in the uh, uh, Fungi from Yugoth's Sonnet, uh, the window, you know, when they pierce the bricked-up window, there's a rush right. of air from the alien your voids that yawn beyond. They fled, but I peered through and found and rolled all the wild worlds in which my dreams had told. And for the other people, they've seen cosmic horrors and God knows what, and I'm out of here! Yeah. <laughs> but it's also this shadow of Innsmouth. There is that, you know, the final revelation. Spoilers, folks. He is one of the deep ones, and that's yep. horrific. But then when he, he realizes what it entails, I get to live forever in a house made of pearls under the sea. This is amazing. I yeah. shall dwell for one with wonder and glory forever. <laughs> yeah. And is that Lovecraft seemed to be very interested in that kind of that transmutative revelation of that you know what can be horrible can become transcendent. And what can be transcendent can become horrible and sanity blasting. Indeed. Yeah, you, you can't unmix the two. You wind up getting both, whether you like it or not. It's a, it's a, it's it's a gate which you go th- once you go through. You can't ever go back. So it's a mm. irrevocable step that winds up getting taken again and again and again. And Lovecraft really seems to be really interested in that. Um, apotheosis is not quite the right thing because it's not like they're becoming gods but that that sort of uh, and evolution isn't quite the word either that sort of uh, I, I guess I, I'm trying to find a word other than transcendence but I guess transfiguration I guess, transfiguration there's there's a good word that, yeah hmm. that transfiguration is something Lovecraft likes to confront readers with as maybe a counterpoint to the insignificance of humanity against his cosmic landscape, there are those who wind up stepping into the beyond, whether they will or not. And they sometimes embrace it and sometimes embrace it with madness and sometimes do it full joy and sometimes without full knowledge of what they're really getting into. But they all step across that threshold and that's, that's the, what that's the uh, transfigurative wonder. Uh, the it's the they step through the window right right uh, there it goes right back to that Lord Dunsany story the wonderful window where the, uh, they mm. they dream this they dream of escaping the dull life and and br- break through somehow into the other world um, as you say Mr Jim the the servants run off um, but he he peers through and finds unrolled the wild worlds of his dreams. Right, mm-hmm. that the world of his dreams had told, and then the next poem, uh, a memory, is suddenly he's in a new land. Right, that is very much unlike a somebody's house. There were great steps and rocky tablelands mm. stretching half limitless in starlight, starlit night with alien campfires. I love that alien campfires. Mm. What does that mean? Shedding feeble light on beasts with tinkling bells in shaggy bands. Far to the south, the plain sloped low and wide to a dark zigzag line of wall that lay like a huge python of some primal day, which endless time had chilled and petrified. So it's like a it's a giant snake. Right? Or it looks like it's, it kind of reminds me of uh, if you are if you ever go to Grand Marais in Minnesota and you look south, you can see the zigzag 
low hills of the Sawtooth Mountains, and that kind of yep. that kind of reminds me of that image. Yeah, well, it is. It's there. It's petrified. It's petrified, and uh, you get that in a lot of native um, uh, stories about ge- geography, right? This mm-hmm. is a petrified man. That is a uh, giant, right? Um, and uh, it continues. I shivered oddly in the cold, thin air. And wondered where I was and how I came when a cloaked form against a campfire's glare rose and approached and called me by my name. Staring at that dead face under, beneath the hood, I ceased to hope because I understood. So is this a negative or a positive? It's, uh, it's yes. really unclear, <laughs> right? Um, the, in the drawing I, do, I, I did for it, um, it's like death, right? That's why he knows who he is. <laughs> and they're like giving hi- each other high fives because <laughs> he wants to die, clearly. Um, but notice that there, there's this thin line of wall separating the tablelands that he's on from some other land beyond. And that leads directly into the next poem. And I think... Uh, is reflected in Ex Oblivione or Ex Oblivion. Um, it goes like this, the Gardens of Yin. Beyond that wall, right? So we're continuing, right? It's very much a continuation mm-hmm. whose ancient masonry reached almost to the sky in moss-thick towers. There would be terraced gardens. Notice he doesn't say there is. There would be mm-hmm. terraced gardens, rich with flowers and flutter of bird and butterfly and bee. There would be walks, not there is there are walks, but there would be. Yeah, that's interesting. Tense use, yeah. It, it, very interesting. And bridges arching over warm uh, lotus pools, reflecting temple eaves and cherry trees with delicate boughs and leaves, against a pink sky where the herons hover. This is the this is the gorgeous garden right beyond, and would be there for all. All would be there for. So it's almost like heaven. For had not old dreams flung open the gate to that stone-lanterned maze where drowsy streams spin out their winding ways, trailed by green vines from bending branches hung? He's been promised this in dream, right? Right. I hurried, but when the wall rose, grim and great, I found there was no longer any gate. There was a gate past... Like, it's almost like it's... This is a retelling of the story we have in Ex Oblivione. It's a kind of a retelling uh, from, you know, earlier in his voyages. Mm, right. The, the, the imagery, now now I'm going to tie, tie in something unexpected, just because as of the recording of today, it's, it's the, today is the 100th uh, anniversary of the birthday of the late Jack Vance. And mm-hmm. a lot of his lush description and writing, I'm thinking Plan of Adventure, I'm thinking of Lion A, I'm thinking of Dying Earth, is clearly influenced by imageries like this. I mean, you were talking about the gardens and the wall, and I suddenly started thinking about Soldier's Garden and some mm. of the weird vistas mm. of the Dying Earth and some of the, and the strange alien life under uh, on, the, on the world, Chai, and many others. It, it's like Vance really channeled some of these ideas and put them into a fully science fictional and fantasy context rather than the more uh, opiate fantasy dreams that Lovecraft uses. He more like extends and spools out that same sort of lush imagery that you can just soak yourself into and 
step into almost like is like in a three dimension, really three dimensional way. That's sort of opening up your perceptions to uh, a a world that's that is at a complete contrast to the gray sameness of the ordinary existence. Because um, because on Chai, for example, at one point at and I, I look, recently re-listened to the audio book, and Adam Ruth talks about he, the, the the point of the novel is he's trying to get off, try and go back back to Earth. He's been shipwrecked there. He's stuck. He's trying to get back, but towards the end, he starts thinking about was he going to miss this place with the strange alien vistas and the and all the weird humanoid peoples and the and the sights he's seen when he goes back to more ordinary Earth. And he thinks in some ways, yeah, he's going to miss this experience that he's gone into and spoiler at the end, he does finally get off, but it's just like you, he, he spends the entire five or novels trying to get up, get out, go off the planet. And he realizes in some ways he's going to, he's been transformed by the experience he's gone through going into these very strange and, uh, alien, alien vistas that just consume all the senses and love, Lovecraft, the, the protagonist, like Nix Oblivione, for example, doesn't get to go back. So that's a change of the change of theme. But there's still that sense of escaping the the same grayness of real life into something extraordinary. I haven't I haven't read a ton of Jack Vance, but I I, I do know exactly what you mean about that sort of rich. Uh, you almost want to say decadent description. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. of the worlds that he makes, the baroque is baroque. There's a good word. Yeah, describe Lovecraft's writing, and I would say that that's true of the description. It is sort of like a gorgeously um, saturated uh, prose that is almost poetical. Uh, my favorite of his that I've read is uh, the Moon Moth, which oh yeah, that's my that's my favorite short so story of his. Yes, wonderful story, and it's it is it has this rich. Uh, it is a dream world, right? So they don't they don't go to sleep to go to these worlds. They get on rocket ships. Mm-hmm. Right? But once there, um, it is as much uh, a city of the dreamlands as any other city you could read about in the dreamlands. I would say the aliens are um, perhaps slightly more alien and less cat like, but they're they're pretty they're pretty Lovecraftian in that baroque quality yeah, yeah p- p- playing musical instruments in order to talk yeah, right so, Cult- the culture it's is it's yeah it's sort of a magnified uh orientalist uh alien right operatic I, I, operatic mm-hmm. i believe is the one yeah, way nice. you described it that's once a, yeah yeah that's a good way to describe it i think i know where they used to describe these kind of fantasies of exotic lands was arabesques arabesques, arabesques yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of that in that kind of in Jack Vance's you can see he's drawing on that old school view of fantasy that was actually kind of read in sarabands and curlicues of hashish smoke or imagined mm-hmm. hashish smoke if you imagined, know what I mean yeah. That, that, yeah. Um, cause, you know the famous Lovecraft was very abstinent and like Clark Ashton Smith as well he was always writing about you know opiates and hashish eaters but yeah. as far as you know he never had a habit to feed but it was this right. the idea that you know you could take these things and unlock all these the wild worlds of your dreams and see them wreathing through the smoke and it's kind of I think as fantasy 
as a genre sort of new matured, it became a lot more nuts and bolts, and it started drawing more on actual history and medievalism, and um, it lost that kind of I don't know that, that sort of fantastic dreamlike flavour that you were getting mm-hmm. saying a lot of these. She's in Lord Dunsany and uh, and some the William Morris fantasy novels as well. Yeah, that came in Victorian times and it, it, it yeah. Tolkienized. Yeah. Yes. Mm. The the closest they get to the drugs is you know p- pipe weed and uh, beer or something, right? Uh, but it it does it does inform the the world and. Uh, I like I like to think of that connection to Dunsany as well. In the beginning of this uh, story, uh, we actually I think it's almost a shout out to the Gardens of Yin, uh, not the Gardens of Yin, um, the what's the twelve? Oh, what's on the Yan? What's it? Oh, is uh, it tw- so many days on the on the Yan? The twelve days on the Yan yes. or something like that, mm. um, where we have a. a one of these dream travelers traveling through and, and he's not even really like it's not a walking tour like you know the hobbits do it's he's sort of on a barge and going back to the very beginning of this story uh once when the wind was soft and scented i heard the south calling and sailed endlessly and languorously under strange stars once when the gentle rain fell i glided in a barge down a sunless stream under the earth till i reached another world of purple twilight He's going into the earth, iridescent arbors and undying roses. And once I walked through a golden valley, and this is the place that he finds the gate in, right, and the wall in. Notice that it doesn't reflect the valley we see in a memory, which is uh, broken and sort of uh, stark. It's a golden valley that led to shadowy groves and ruins, and ended in a mighty wall green with antique vines and pierced by the little gate. When he consults the dream sages papyri, he he sees that their description of that land is different. Therein were written many things concerning the world of dream, and among them was the lore of a golden valley and a sacred grove with temples. Not with sunken temples, right? With temples. Temples. And uh, And a wall pierced by a little bronze gate. So the the documents he's consulting are describing the land before the destruction of the temples or the abandonment of the temples, where they the temples have sunk into the gray ground, right? So it's, it, there's so much richness in, like, what's happened? What happened to these temples? You know, did everybody pass through into the wall, you know, through the gate? They all took the drug, right? This is uh, almost Robert E. Howardy uh, sort of the destruction of civilization, and um, I think that uh, it also reminded me of the Borgias story. Oh, really? About Which Borgias? Yes, the, um, uh, the second temple. Uh, no, I think it's the second temple where um, it's a man who voyages deep into the jungle and gets uh-huh. out and takes residence Circular in a ruined part. temple. Yes, that's the circular ruins. That's the one, yes. Okay, yeah. That's right. And we he, dr- he dreams one. a dream. Yeah, he dreams a dream yeah. of a man who dreams a dream. That's <laughs> and right. so it goes on. Good point. Um, when we get to, through to that wall, right, He, he pier- I love that the gate pierces the wall. When he goes through the wall, he finds that the drug has opened the door, made the door ajar. He can pass uh-huh. through now. Um what he finds on the other side, this is the most interesting. Somebody 
somebody's uh, description of what happens. Uh, Lovecraft was reading a lot of Schopenhauer. Is what they said, and I'm like, I don't know, but uh, this is what this is what uh, it says. Uh, I knew that all sights and glories were at an end, for in that new realm was neither land nor sea, but only white void of unpeopled and illimitable space. So. Remember what he expected to see beyond there. Some people said it was horror and others said it was, uh, you know, beautiful gardens. And if we're anticipating the gardens of Yin, what do we get? We get gorgeous, you know, a, a gorgeous sort of Eden or heaven. And yet what he finds happier than I have ever dared to hope I would be dissolved again. <laughs> Not just dissolved, dissolved again into that native infinity of crystal mm. oblivion and which the from which the demon life and life is the demon has called me for one brief and desolate hour. This is to me, this is totally a story of of like uh, platonic sort of the transmigration of souls from the realm of the forms you know mm. the opposite of of outer space with its blackness but here white emptiness white everything and he becomes a part of it and then is called forth from life by life to be thrown down on the earth and live his miserable existence as plato would put it reckon or socrates maybe would recognize um, when you see something for the first time, like fire, you say, ah, yes, I remember fire. The trauma of childbirth robs you of being born, robs you of all your knowledge of what you had in the realm of the forms. He strives to be back in that place, doesn't know what's beyond the gate, lives his terrible life, finds some opium, overdoses, Dreams his play himself back through the gate into death, uh, where he finds he's reunited with non-existence. And it's like, wow, mind blown, right? I yeah. find it interesting. There's a little, not almost a throwaway line, but about the dream sages. Mm-hmm. He says them, they who were ever too wise to ever have been born in the waking right. world. And that's just a little line, but with the end, it gives you a hint. There's a hierarchy of being mm. that the lands of the lands of dream are, you know, a kind of closer to the um, realm of the crystal infinity. Indeed, I'm, I'm 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 thinking of a little bit from the movie Waking Life. Have either of you seen it? No, I haven't seen that one. I've heard of it, but never watched it. Jim. Uh, I've seen it quite a few years ago. I need to go back to it. So. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is about a guy who winds up wandering through dream after dream after dream, and he can't get out. There's references to Philip K. Dick, who we haven't talked about yet, strangely on this podcast, yeah. on, on on this episode. But at one point, he talks with a uh, with a being who clearly is from another realm, and he talks about. And the being goes, now I remember how I became a human, why I, st- why I stuck around, and now I'm going to depart. And he kind of vanishes in front of the dream narrator's eyes and back into, I guess, into that in, that uh, native white infinity. It's like suggesting that, yeah, in the end, everything goes back to that single platonic realm that every so often pe- people or things get 
conjured out of until, until they remember to return. I've uh, I've not I'm not one to read modern fiction, but there is a new book that's out that I was thinking sort of ties into this as well. You know, as you point out, Mr. Jim Moon, they were too wise to ever be, ever been born born in the in the waking world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new book called The Dream Quest of Velvet Bow uh, by Kids Johnson. Yeah, I uh, haven't read it yet. I want to read it. So it's a, set in the same place and sort of following the same format as Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, but with the protagonist not from earth she's from the dreamlands and she sets off in quest of a of a, a student of hers who has been uh i want to say kidnapped but that's not the wrong word uh, it's not the right word it's um eloped with a man from from the waking world and she sets off on her quest to uh find this uh student Makes me think that you know the this is a dream person coming into the real world. Maybe that's the ending. You know, like it's it's, it's if if you're born in the dream world, can you die or do you live forever in dream? Well, if you if you come into uh, the waking world, I don't know how you would do that. I, I certainly know that I can get to the dreamlands. I I do it every night. However, um, I don't how I get through there, how I pass through is unclear to me and I would be equally unclear to see how a, a dream person could pass into the real world. But it's, it's, it's uh, very fascinating, right? According to Lovecraft, there are a couple of spots where the, uh, the enchanted wood of the Zoogs touches the waking world. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, as, as do the, some of the burrows of the ghouls, right? You'd come up out of a tomb somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Find yourself in a, World like- now, not to um, not to toot my own horn, but I've been running a role playing game for a long time, and it does have a Dreamlands in it. And there are a few physical. Most people get there by well going to sleep and dreaming, but there are a few tenuous connections where you can actually physically step from one to the other. But it's not easy and. You really don't want to do that unless you really, really, really have to, because it is such, it is a perilous transition to transfer bodily from one realm to the other. It's mm-hmm. better just to visit visit dreamlands and dreams because they're scary enough. Because I have Lovecraftian things of all sorts, wonders and horrors sitting in my dreamland. So yeah, it's uh, that makes me think of. Of Dante and all the stories of going into the underworld, right? So mm-hmm. everyone has it within themselves to kill themselves and to pass immediately into the underworld, right? Uh, but that's a one-way passage, is the idea. Whereas right. if you if you find the official entrance, right, rather than make your own, um, you could pass bodily into the into the uh, Underworld, and it's uh, th- this is a gem of a story because it it has all these seeds, uh, poppy seeds perhaps planted within <laughs> it that I like that flourish and uh, and grow and uh, promise uh, so much. It's a one way trip, but what a trip! <laughs> well, it's just one final thing, just a round table. It. Did. Do we see the end as positive or negative? Because I, mean, I read it as being sort of quite, quite positive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of 
um, a, you know, a man who's reached his ultimate destiny, which is to return to the, the infinity from which everything else came. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's the closing of a circle. and It's like, almost kind of like a Buddhist or uh, that kind of Eastern philosophy idea of he's escaped the wheel of lives to return yep. to the, the pure limitless light. Because he says, so happier than I ever dared hope to be, I dissolved again. So, yeah, no, definitely positive. He's happy, like, mm-hmm. okay, I've I, I escaped the, the, the desolation that this life held this time. I can go back to uh, infinity. So, no, it's definitely positive. Yes, he died, but he died happy. I, I think that, that the, it's not that simple. I, I agree that that's what he's saying, but honestly, the re- he is just overdosed on a drug in real life so that he could pass away from his life and not have to deal with it. What I, what I think is so interesting is in a, your dissolved state, uh, you have no emotion, right? You have no experience. This is not heaven in the normal, like, Gardens of Yin style, right? Where you go through and you find all these beautiful places and all people, all the people you knew who, who had died beyond technically i guess they're they're all dissolved <laughs> but um i wouldn't say that that's a positive if you look at it from the outside not from his perspective um you would say oh what a tragedy right he 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 was uh, depressed kept sleeping more and more i mean if you think of all the dream quest stories they're kind of like that right people mm-hmm. staying staying in bed too long that's a symptom of depression Right, drinking too much uh, opium and and and, uh, overdosing, and then passing uh, out of the world that is the only place we do know. So yeah, it he says he's happy, and I think we can kind of take him at his word. But the reason for his entire voyage, right, the ugly trifles of existence. Yeah, I mean, paying the bills and, you know, cleaning the toilet, these are not the things I want to do, but they are the ugly trifles of existence. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Fair point. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I think your ending's happier than mine. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we, when you step outside the story, yeah, then, then it looks like, yeah, he had a lousy life and he's suicided by drugs. That's, yeah, that's not happy, shiny in, in the least. <laughs>